Hey, my name is Mitch. I am too one of the pastors here, and I'm really excited that you are here this morning. If it's your first time, let me say welcome. And uh, we are building this church. Jesus is building this church for you. And what we recognize is that church is not about the people that stand on stage. It's about the people that fill the seats. And it's about the people that walk out of this room and walk into our city and make a difference for Jesus. We, we talk about three things all the time here. We love God because He first loved us. We share good news because someone shared it with us. And we serve the city to earn the right to share good news so that people can fall in love with God. And so that's what we are all about at Redeemer City Church. And one of the questions I get about two services is why? Why would you intentionally grow smaller? Uh, the answer is so that God's kingdom can grow bigger. And so I'm really excited that you're here, thankful that you're here, because Jesus said this, right? He said, go out into the highways and the hedges, and then I love the word that Jesus chose. How many of you know Jesus is, a good, is good with words, right? He said, and compel them to come into my house, so that my house might be full. And so that's what this is all about. And so I'm grateful for you being here. I'm grateful for you uh, coming to the early service to make room at the late service. And uh, God's been so good to Redeemer. And uh, if his house is full, uh, we can celebrate. Amen? Amen. So we're, we're kicking off a new series in tandem with our two services called Hive Mind. And one of the things about creation is that having a intelligent designer, having God as the creator of the universe, is that we see glimpses of God's genius in creation. And one of those places is, of all things, with bees. With bees. Bees are a lot like humans. It's really fascinating. And so when you go into your city groups this week and through the next couple of weeks, you're going to dive into some of those some of those things that are so unique about bees and how they translate to us. But today, as we get started, uh, you're going to dive deeper into this content in city group. But I wanted to kind of lay a foundation for a crazy claim that Jesus made. It's going to be on the screen for you. Listen to what Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Listen to this. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? Uh, everybody lift up your voice and say, Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> right? Like, we're, we're good with that part. That part we're like, yeah, I get that. Like, there are some things that God knows that I don't know, and I'm glad, because if, if I knew everything about God, then I would be on par with God, and then we'd all be in trouble. How many of you know if Mitch was God, you would all be in trouble? Amen? Amen. All right? And you, you said a little too fast, Eric. And uh, But yeah, but it's that next part. Think about this. Think about the words that Paul, the apostle, says to us. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. I don't know about you, but there are days where I wake up, say uh, Thursday, (laughs) maybe even by Tuesday, amen, where I don't feel like I have the mind of Christ. Maybe we get you through Monday. <laughs> Maybe you pull up the podcast and listen to the sermon again, or you pull out your iPhone and you 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 listen to some scripture, or you put on some praise music. But 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 life has this way, doesn't it? 
Life has this way that by the time Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday roll around of beating it out of you. But there's a promise and there's a declaration in this text where Paul says, you, if you are in Christ, have the mind of Christ. And we're going to take the next six weeks to explore that. But where does that begin? Where, where do we go? To what source do we go? To what water fountain do we drink? To get this mind of Christ. Because the first half of that verse we, we is where we live, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes you just wake up and you go, man... Where's where what am I doing? <laughs> Where's God? But the promise that comes in the midst of confusion is that you have the mind of Christ. And so I, I want to go with you to the spiritual truth that changes everything. We wouldn't be talking about the mind of Christ if we didn't go to this place first. So if you have a Bible, go to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. First Corinthians chapter fifteen and the Apostle Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, which was uh, a church that he planted, and it was kind of a kind of a rowdy group of people. If you are familiar with the Bible at all, uh, you know that. But if you're not, Corinth, the Corinthian church, the the people of Corinth were young. It was an urban city. It was an up and coming city. It was a port city. They had access to a lot of things and at, at a lot of the time. And honestly, they they really liked the things of the world. Does that sound like any other cities you know of? <laughs> Tampa's a growing city. It's a port city that has access to everything the world has to offer, and yet in some ways is one of the nation's best kept secrets, is it not? And so uh, we, we identify with what Paul's saying, and so Paul comes to these Christians and says, listen, you're in a strategic location for Christ and for His kingdom. And I want to say to you that the reason having the mind of Christ is so important is that in this city, in this time, in this place, look around at our country. We're in a strategic location for such a time as this. But we need the mind of Christ. But how do we get there? Right? How, how do I get there this week? What does that look like? I want to take you to the words that Paul gave to the Corinthians in chapter 15 because he he spent the whole first part of this letter. I think a lot of times we forget. We think that the Bible is just this massive book and I tried to bring my biggest one so I could make that point. But this is this massive disconnected book. But let's be reminded that the letter to the Corinthians was a letter from a pastor to his people. It was from a shepherd's heart. So he's writing to these people saying, don't do this, don't do this. Please don't do this. Do that, do this. But how many of you know just do that, don't do this, doesn't change your life? Paul gets to chapter 15, and here's what he says. In verse 1 he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. The gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. 
Oftentimes we think that the gospel is this ladder that we climb and when we get to the top we kick it out from under us and we've arrived and now it's up to us. It's on our shoulders to please God. But that's not what the text says. It says that I preached to you what you received in which you stand because it's truth. There's the do's and the don'ts and we need to stand on the do's and the don'ts. But you received Christ, you're standing on Christ, and in Christ, but I love that next phrase, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Now it sounds a little bit like he goes back to the law there, doesn't it? He says, this glorious truth, you're being saved by the gospel, right now, no matter if you've been saved for 50 years or 50 minutes, (laughs) Or maybe you're not even saved yet. You know, he, he says, you're being saved. You were saved. You're standing in it. And you're being saved. But then he says, if you hold fast to the word that I preach to you. And then you feel like, oh, it's back on me again. But there's good news in this passage because that's not what he's saying. That's oftentimes how we feel on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, and then we need Sunday. (laughs) We need our city group. But listen to what he says next. I love this language. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. First importance. It's the most important thing that I could ever give you. Here's what he says, What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, so as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I love this next statement that Paul gives. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can anybody amen the Apostle Paul on that? And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. It's a powerful passage of scripture because, well, when we look around our culture, we see a lot of people walking around putting up this facade of fulfillment. But underneath that facade of fulfillment, we know that our country is the most medicated country. One of the most medicated countries in the world. The the depression rates, the suicide rates, the it just goes on and on and on. And so, so, so we, we, we put up this land of the free, home of the brave. And but when you dig underneath that, what well, we see a lot of people walking around saying they're fulfilled, but living totally unfulfilled. Searching for something to fill them. But how, how many of you know that constant filling of yourself only leads to unfulfillment? Constant filling up of what I want when I want it, how I want it, whenever I want it, only leads to being dissatisfied with this life. 
And so Paul comes back and says, Corinthians, you've got all this stuff. You've got all these things. But let me remind you what is the most important. The gospel. He said, do you remember the gospel that I first preached to you? That Jesus died for your sin. Don't ever get past. Don't ever grow through the idea that the God of the universe stepped out of the splendors of heaven and willingly came and lived on this earth in the humblest of circumstances and lived the life that you couldn't live, died the death that you couldn't die and satisfied the wrath of God that you couldn't satisfy so that you could have, Jesus said, life and have it to the full. If you're searching for something this morning, I want you to know that you can find everything you need in the person of Jesus Christ. There's no other thing beyond Him. (laughs) Jesus said it this way, apart from me, you can do nothing. Was He saying you couldn't brush your teeth this morning without Him? No. He's saying you're going to search and 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 you're going to search some more. But that satisfaction will always elude you until you come back to the one who made you and offers you life and life to the full. There's three things about this gospel that the text says that Paul says is so important if you're taking notes in your worship guide. There's three things there. First of all, it's good news, right? Like the gospel is good news. And there's three things that we do with it. There's three things that we do with this good news. Because what happens when somebody brings you good news? Like, I'll never forget the first time that uh, I found out my wife was pregnant. We have three kids, one adopted, two biological, and uh, all different experiences. But I'll never forget the first time that good news came. And it's just like, it just washes over you. And you just, it just changes your life. Same is true with bad news, isn't it? If you've lost a child, or if you've lost a family member, or whatever it is, that same bad news can wash over you. And it changes you. But what Paul says is no matter all, no matter what all is happening in your life, this good news, this gospel, he says, that I preach to you. The, the, the most important part of the gospel is that it's with words. Number one in your notes there is that it's proclaimed. That it's proclaimed. I was talking with one of our elders this morning and he was sharing a verse with me in Leviticus that, that talks about for those of us that have the gospel, that know Christ, it, it's actually a sin for us to hold it in. To, to, to not share, to not proclaim is actually a sin because how many of you know, like, if, if, you, if you were able to discover next week the, the cure to cancer and you never told anybody, how, what would that be like? How terrible would that be? You'd probably be the worst human being ever. <laughs> but is it not the same for us to have the words of life and to keep it inside? The gospel is to be proclaimed. Paul said, I'm, bring, I'm reminding you of what I proclaimed to you. And then he gave us all those details later on about why, why what he was saying was so important. 
Cause, cause let's also not move past the fact that when God died on the cross, He got up three days later, amen? amen. I, don't know if, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I've never seen anybody do that. And then he, in, in an important fashion, and critical scholars agree that those people that Paul's talking about, even the people that don't believe in God at all, I was reading this week, still have to admit that these people were really alive. And hundreds of people really said that they really saw a risen Jesus. <laughs> don't skip past that. It really happened and Paul says I'm proclaiming to you something that was absolutely supernatural it's of first importance he was here he made all these promises he healed all these people he did all this stuff but then he died like every other good man who ever lived he died but unlike every other good man He rose and He walked out of that grave and He offers you life because of it. It has to be proclaimed. has to be proclaimed. Then the second thing is, and maybe you're here today, the second thing after proclaimed is it has to be received. You see, if somebody offers you a gift, but you never take the gift, you never experience the benefits of the gift... If you offer me a Corvette tomorrow, I'm going to take that gift. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to take that gift. (laughs) And I ain't going to be sad about it. (laughs) Why? Because it's a great gift. Just giving you Christmas ideas. It's not too far away. Camden, feel free. It's my wife. We understand that, don't we? But some of us... I don't know where you're at today, but some of us feel like, well, God just couldn't love me. I've, I've done this or I've done that. Or I've thought about this or I've thought about that. Or I'm doing this and nobody knows and I'm doing that and nobody knows. But what Paul says is, listen, all that stuff went to the cross with Jesus. And it got nailed to that cross. And it got paid for. And you just have to receive good news today. If you've never done that, today is the day where you hear what's proclaimed and you receive it. Because we proclaim it, but you have to receive it. You have to receive it. And then, I love this, the gospel, the good news is to be held, number three. It's to be held. You know, we all need those handles in life that when when. Everything, and we all we have phrases for this, right? When stuff hits the fan, <laughs> you, you tracking with me? <laughs> I'm not going to say it because I'm a pastor. <laughs> I only, no, I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> I'm not perfect. We got to, <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> we all need those handles in life, right? Because what, what, what? What levels the playing field in life? That we're not who we want to be, that others aren't who we want them to be, and that life doesn't work out how we wanted it to work out. Am I speaking anybody's language today? (laughs) It doesn't matter how much money you have, death finds you. It doesn't matter how much friends you have, loneliness will find you. And we can just go on and on. doesn't matter how, how much you rise the ranks at work. 
dissatisfaction will find you. Doesn't matter how many kids you have or how well, well they do. It finds us. And at that moment, we need something to hold on to because you may have known Christ for 20 years, but you may wake up tomorrow and receive bad news and what are you going to hold on to? What are you going to hold on to? You see, that's why that language that Paul uses is so important because it, we, we hear it proclaimed and it changes our life when we receive it and it's, it's amazing and, and God radically changed some of you. I mean radically changed some of you. God radically changed me. And, and it's so real and it's so true in that moment that we say, this is real. And Paul's saying, this was real. There's real people who really saw him. But then what does Paul do? He reminds us that you're standing on that for a while, but then what happens? We need the gospel to keep saving us. When things disappoint, we need the gospel to keep on saving us. We need to know that what we received, that Jesus dying on the cross, going into the grave, and rising again is going to give me life on Tuesday, not just three years ago. That it's going to give me life next month when I lose my job, or it's going to give me life, you fill in the blank. Or when my kid makes a, a poor decision, that the gospel is going to save me again because I'm going to feel like I failed. We, we, we all experience that. But here's, here's what we know, that nothing else matters like this matters. See, what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? It means to receive Christ and then to hold on to Christ for dear life. That's what it means. And we're going to unpack that for the next five weeks because there's a lot that is offered to you in Christ. But if the vertical relationship is never settled, the horizontal ones will never get settled. Your relationship with the God of the universe changes your relationship with everything on earth. Because once you receive Christ, it's what Jesus prayed when He was teaching us how to pray. He said, what we pray is, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And then what does he say? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It continues to save us. Continues. It's an amazing thing. People all over this city, people right now, maybe in this room, playing a game, acting as though they're happy when on the inside things are broken. I want you to know that if that's you today, as you listen, as the gospel is proclaimed, if you'll just receive it, Jesus will come into your life and He will transform it. And life will never be the same. It may not get easier. It may not get richer. But it will become more satisfying. Because you were created on purpose, for a purpose. And the gospel is where that begins, and the gospel is where that moves. And so I just want to take a minute as, as we 
kick off these two services and as well, you know, there's all kinds of things going on in your life and as you get ready for another week, I'm just going to ask the band to come up and start to play. And, you know, as we kick off this new series, uh, the next five weeks are going to be incredible. Get in a city group. It's good. It's going to, it's going to really help you. They are really well done and our leaders are ready to serve you. It's going to be great. But you have to receive it, right? We, we, we can proclaim it. We can bring you the opportunities, but you, you have to get plugged in. But before we can even do that, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I in Christ? Do I know Christ? It's been proclaimed, but have I ever received Christ? Christ? 